Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. It is the 1st of June. It is the first day of a very busy month, as we covered in detail on our last episode of this podcast. We had Tyler Calvaruso, our recruiting insider, on the show Tuesday, breaking down weekend after weekend of key official visits uh, coming to Happy Valley beginning this weekend. Uh, among those visitors are a large group of committed players for the 2024 class, including the quarterback of this class, Ethan Grunkemeyer, who will join us in just a moment on the Lions 24-7 podcast. A little bit later here on the show, you'll hear from my colleagues Mark Brennan and Daniel Gallen. We've got a football mailbag to get into. Uh, Mark Brennan and uh, our photographer Grace Brennan were on the road yesterday. Hershey at the Penn State Children's Hospital, where the Nittany Lions players got in there, had a lot of fun. We'll hear about some of that from, from the Brennans. And additionally, we'll break down What's cooking on the camp circuit that's upcoming? Sunday is a camp here in Happy Valley. It's the first of many for the month of June. We'll be on the field for all of them. We'll give you a little bit of a preview on what to expect from our coverage and from prospects coming to town. But as reference, we're going to begin this show with a member of the 2024 Penn State recruiting class and the newest one at that, Ethan Grunkemeyer, who recently punched his ticket to the Elite 11 finals out in Los Angeles and right now on with us at the Lions 24-7 podcast. Ethan, thanks a lot. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, hey, I know we're uh, just about two weeks almost uh, removed from your commitment, but a big congratulations to you and your family for, for getting to this chapter in your football career and in, 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 in your academic career. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Now that you've had a couple of weeks to digest it and, and kind of soak in the, the fact that you are in any Lions commit and you've got your future figured out from a college football standpoint, what are you most pleased about with the decision you made back in May? Yeah, I'm just really excited to be surrounded by great people. Uh, Coach Franklin, Coach Yosich, Coach O'Brien. You know, I built a really good relationship with all of those guys. And, you know, um, I know Drew and that he loves his experience there so far. So, you know, I'm really happy where, where I landed and you know, I'm really excited to start to work with those guys. When you were working your way towards a commitment, it wasn't like you, you held a scholarship offer for a year and had a long time to, to balance it and weigh it. Um, that offer came this spring. The commitment came this spring and all of a sudden your recruitment's closed. Can you talk us through what that process was like? Because it was a pretty short span of time from when you became an official Nittany Lions target to a Nittany Lions pledge. Yeah, so it's always been my dream to play at that big stage. And Penn State's, you know, one of the biggest stages in the country. Um, so when when Coach Yersich came out to watch me throw and then I got the offer later that day, you know, it was one of the schools that jumped up on top of the list. You know, I've been there a couple of times, so – I was familiar with it. I went out to visit and it just felt like home and talking with family. I just decided to pull the trigger. It felt like the right time. 
when you made that decision, uh, I guess prior to the Penn State offer, perhaps, how, what was your recruitment looked like? I mean, were there some schools that you really had built a connection with and uh, that you maybe you had to pick up the phone and, and call them and say thanks but no thanks? Uh, who else was involved in your recruitment legitimately down the stretch? Yeah, so Cincinnati was in there. Clemson was, you know, uh, Michigan State was in there, Virginia. So there was a there was a, quite a few schools. It was really hard to, you know, have those relationships be built and then let them know. But um, I feel like, you know, it had to be done to make this decision for my future. And I think it was the best decision for my future. You talked about visiting before the offer, visiting after the offer. It, what's the dynamic that's maybe different when you show up to town and, and you have that offer in your pocket and you kind of have a little more validation that you are a targeted prospect versus when you show up to campus and you're still kind of waiting for, for that domino to fall? Yeah, you know, as soon as I stepped on campus, even before committed, you know, I just felt like a priority. And then the commitment just really made it feel like I was part of the family now. You know, as, as soon as we got there, we were greeted by everyone. And, you know, they really just made made me feel like I was part of the family already. You mentioned Mike Yersich coming out to Ohio to watch you throw the ball, uh, get a good uh, kind of an assessment of you person to person, face to face. Uh, do you feel pressure when you and you've got power five offensive coordinators on your home turf and they're there to see you specifically? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a little nerve wracking at first, you know, but um, you just got to go out there and do your thing. That's what you work hard to to be able to do. So, you know, after that first throw, you just kind of get into the groove and start to sling it around a little bit. What does that day look like when, when you uh, – I guess you know that, that Mike is going to be coming to, to your campus and you know that you're going to have a chance to impress. And what's the feedback like after? How do you receive it? And then ultimately how does that materialize? And here's a scholarship offer. Yeah, so he came out to watch me throw. Um, he needed a – you know, he had to get on the road after afterwards and he told me to give him a call later that day. Um, you know, I felt like I threw pretty well through – you know, one of the best I had that spring so far. So I was feeling really good about it. Uh, got on the phone with them and you just made it feel like I, you know, I was a priority for them and extended the offer to me. And, you know, I was really excited about it. Uh, I was I was stoked. And, you know, I was just one of one of the greatest feelings. Now, tell me what it's been like since the commitment with Mike Yersich and, and as you try to develop that relationship. But I'm sure there's also some challenges he's going to throw your way and try to, to push you to become as, as polished of a prospect as you can be before you get in his room and, and you're officially his pupil. What is the next phase of that relationship? Yeah. So, you know, just keep progressing before I step on campus. You know, we've done some Zooms, been on the phone a ton, trying to learn a little bit what they do before I get there. You know, just keep working on my craft as well. I work with Coach Brad Mendler. They trust him a lot. So that's that's a nice part about going to Penn State is working with a guy they really trust. You know, Drew works with them, and I, I really enjoy working with him. I feel like he's improved my game a ton. Um, you know, just keep building that relationship with them as well. You mentioned your work with Coach Mendler. We, we've heard about him in the past on this podcast from Drew Aller when he was discussing his development at the high school level, going from a three-star prospect when Penn State offered to the number one quarterback in the country by the time he enrolled here. Um, how long have you two kind of known each other? How long have you been in the same circle working with the quarterback trainer? And what exactly was the insight that came from Drew as you sat down to make this decision? Yeah, so, you know, he just let me know if I had any questions to reach out. I've been talking with them a bunch about, you know, Penn State before I was committed and after just kind of getting a feel on what they do and just getting a more inside look on, 
the coaches interactions with them and whatnot. Um, I started, I started working with him. I want to say maybe two years ago, right before the Penn state commitment was my first time working with them, worked with them multiple times since then. And, you know, at recent times I worked with them this past week and just kind of figuring out how they do things on campus there and, in practice, just trying to learn my best before I get there. So nothing's really a surprise to me. Now tell me a little bit uh, about the, the next phase of this recruitment process, which is maybe they look at bringing in a second quarterback. And 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 that's, I'm sure, something that's been transparent between you and the coaching staff. We saw Drew be, be part of that two-quarterback class with Bo Prabula. It's happened three different times under the watchful eye of James Franklin's staff. What are you hearing from, from Penn State staff? They put out an offer since you committed at the position. So what's your impression of what the situation is going to look like at this position for 2024? Yeah, so – you know what? I just gotta, you know, work hard, and um, you know, I'm not exactly sure, you know, what the future holds, um, but I just want to be a part of this, a great class, and just do my best to recruit the best guys in there, um, and that's that's what I'm gonna do, you know, no matter what happens, and um, just you know, do my best to bring the best class to Happy Valley. Now, is is that something you would be comfortable with if there was a second quarterback brought into this class? You know, I think. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, you're all, all always competing for the job. Um, even if you're the name starter, you still have to go out there and compete, whether you're first or fourth string. So I think just going in there to compete my best is really the main goal right now, whether it has four quarterbacks in the room or five. Now, 2024 class that preceded you as they were building this thing in the winter and in the spring, it's a top 10 group that you joined. There's a lot of impressive playmakers across the board. What stood out to you as you kind of sat down? I'm sure you've watched a lot of highlights by now of your future teammates. What's the big, uh, I guess, impression that you get from this group? Yeah, the first thing is, you know, how welcoming they were. And as soon as, as soon as I committed, you know, they added me into the group chat, talking to me, congratulating me and whatnot. Um, and then second, you know, kind of the guys I'm going to be surrounded by, great people, great players, you know, that the offensive line they recruited so far is top tier, um, top in the country. So having a chance to be protected by those guys is really exciting. You've been texting a bunch. It's going to change soon. You'll get a chance to share the practice field at Penn State, not with the Nittany Lions yet, but as prospects at the upcoming camps. You mentioned you'll be here on Sunday. Look forward to seeing you throw the ball again. We got to see you at Elite 11 Regionals here in State College a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but there'll be a chance to be out there with other commits uh, on the field, off the field. You have official visits coming up in June. A lot of you on campus together. What do you hope to accomplish collectively over the course of this month as you kind of put those faces to names? Yeah, just build great relationships with them. You know, those are going to be my future teammates, and I just want to be, you know, really comfortable with them by the time I step on campus and, um, you know, just hope to continue to bring in a really good class, add some more guys into it, and just keep improving. I've got to ask about Luke Reynolds because you got a long look at him a couple weeks ago at camp. So did we. Very impressive. A few days later, our 24-7 sports rankings update popped them into the top 10 overall at the tight end position, the top 100 overall, regardless of position. Uh, he is an ascending prospect. He was playing your position for the most part of his high school career. That's going to change. You got to see him in action. You got to throw some balls his way. What stands out about Luke Reynolds here as he prepares for his senior high school season? Yeah, really his athleticism. Um, I know his numbers pop out when you when you look at him on paper, 
Um, you know, he looks really impressive in person, catching the ball, the way the way he runs routes, gets out of his breaks, you know, he, and he's even, you know, better of a person. Uh, got to meet him the, the day before the camp uh, on an official visit to, to Penn State, and, you know, he was kind of congratulating me on my commitment and really just welcoming into the family. Um, so great, great person and great player, all-around player, really athletic and excited to throw to him. Now, he is heading out to Southern California as well. He's one of those rare non-QB participants at the Elite 11. They have the All-22 uh, supplemental piece of the camp this year. That's new. It's great to see those position prospects involved. But for you, you're going to be out there shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with 19 other quarterbacks who are considered you know, top of the class in the 2024 cycle at your position. Guys, you are eventual NFL draft picks, uh, eventual big-time college quarterback like you want to become. What are you most looking forward to for an event that gets underway out in Los Angeles, specifically the Redondo Beach High School, June 14th? Yeah, really competing with those guys, you know, learning a ton from the great staff they have out there and showing what I can do. Um, I'm really excited to go out there and, you know, see how the other guys look and see how I stack up against them. Now, what, has Drew given you any kind of insider uh, advice? I mean, he's gone through the, the Elite 11 process. He was part of that finals group, one of the top performers out there a couple summers ago. Any any feedback from him on what to expect? Yeah, he's been super helpful, you know, with the playbook. They sent us out a playbook to, you know, kind of learn and get, get familiar with before we get out there. I've had a couple of questions about it. You know, I shot his way. Just, you know, his, his dad has actually been really helpful with it as well. My mom, you know, has been talking to him with it, you know, when we throw – um, so th yeah, that family has just been super helpful with not only the recruiting process, but the elite 11 one as well. You mentioned a playbook and people are probably like, wait, what? Because they think maybe you just go out there, you get handed a football and they say, throw the football well, and, and then we'll rank you based on that. There is so much that goes into this event. I know I've covered it where they had a guy, here's a pen, here's the big board, draw us up the scheme. And, and it's, it can be embarrassing if you're not prepared for it. Mm -hmm. What exactly are they sending your way two weeks in advance of this? Because I think it'd be great for our listeners to hear this. It's not about raw skills. It's not just about the passing mechanics. They try to upload, download, whatever you want to call it, so much into your brain to get you prepared for this. Yeah, so first off, we can talk about the playbook. Um, multiple plays, I think it's 26 pro-style uh, plays offensively. We have to learn drops, you know, how the routes are ran, yard depth, um, as well as we have to write a paper, you know, explaining some things about why football, why we love it. Um, you know, so those are kind of some things we have to do before we get out there. And, you know, it's all kind of being tested. Um, personality, you know, um, how well we learn, coachability, um, at, at, on top of, you know, how well we throw the football. So it's all all into one, you know, personality, all that all that matters when you get out there. Now, before you get out to, to, to that point, and you received that invitation, by the way, in the State College Regional, sharing the field with a couple other guys who ended up getting invitations, some SEC commits. It was a good field of quarterbacks. You stood out to the Elite 11 staff. Uh, but when we look at camps, before you get there, you're coming back here. Um, you're getting a chance to work with Mike Yersich. Uh, I presumably get to see some commits on campus as well. What are you most excited about, maybe anxious about, uh, about getting that ball and working directly with Mike Yersich uh, as a committed player, as a part of his long-term plans now? Yeah, really just learning from him on, to, on the field. You know, we've talked off the field, you know, how they do their offense. And now he really gets to go out there. He gets to coach me up footwork, you know, mechanics, all those type of things. So, um, more on the field this time, you know, because we can have the have the ball out on the field and throw it around. 
Um, but previously, it's been more off the field film work. How would you describe Mike Yurcich as a, as a recruiter, as a personal connection guy? Because we get a version of Mike Yurcich in media interactions that I know is a lot different than what you're getting in, in your you know in your parents' house or out on the field. Can you kind of detail what you've learned these last two months about Mike Yurcich, the man, about your potential coach, and, and why it works for you? Yeah, he's super personable. Um, you know, you can talk to him about things outside of football. He's FaceTimed me multiple times, you know, what he's doing with his kids, you know, whether it's baseball games, day at the lake. So, you know, kind of building a relationship outside of football is going to be huge when getting on campus. You know, if I want to go talk to him about something, I feel comfortable about it instead of just, you know, talking X's and O's with him. In recruiting, you go from being hunted to a hunter very quickly. I know you're in hunter mode now. You want to build out this class. You have championship aspirations. You need the, the help to get there. Um, when you get to campus here in a couple of weeks for your official visit, and you're going to be joined by a bunch of these commits. But there's also going to be some important targets there alongside you. What do you think about that opportunity, uh, that 48-hour stretch where you are going to be on campus with some really important prospects? Yeah, it's going to be huge. Um you know, really just trying to build the relationship with those guys. Relationships is huge to me. I feel like that's the best way to do it is, you know, build a great relationship with them. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can, you know, leave that weekend with, um, you know, maybe a couple more commits, um, you know, to add on to our, our class already. Um, just trying to make it one of the best classes in, in the country. Um, so, you know, just kind of building a connection with those guys, you know, showing them, you know, why, why Penn State is the best place for them. Uh, any particular names that have or particular names out there who have become familiar with you in a hurry because you've been blowing up their phone a little bit or you've been trying to build that relationship? Any guys on that wish list or maybe that relationship building, uh, you know, that, that you're trying to focus in on? Yeah, there's quite a few guys, um, you know, on Twitter. I, I, you know, I do some quote tweets and, you know, some comments and then even on Instagram kind of messaging them back and forth. Um, you know, if they post something kind of, uh, tweeting back, whatnot, just a couple of linemen, couple wide receivers um, from that aspect. But yeah, just there's some there's some targets that, you know, Coach Franklin has has given me that, you know, just really trying to get those guys to see what Penn State's all about. I know you'd like to fill out that wide receiver class, some big names out there uh, that you guys are, are targeting. Uh, just looking ahead to your senior season, uh, what are your primary objectives here um, to accomplish between now and, and the end of your high school career? And What kind of a quarterback are we going to see this autumn compared to maybe the junior passer uh, that you were last year? Yeah, really leadership. Um, you know, we want to, that goal is to win a lot of games this year, hopefully a state championship. So uh, we got a ton of guys returning a lot of experience coming back and um, just want to be the best leader I can be kind of showing them, um, you know, how, how we should work in the summer and getting into the, getting into the fall season. So leadership is going to be huge this year and hoping for a really great season. I remember speaking with Drew about the whole, you're from Ohio. Eventually he was Mr. Football in Ohio, but that Ohio state offer didn't materialize. Eventually the Buckeyes tried to target him late didn't work out for them, uh, but but Drew talked about leaving an area that that is a lot of Buckeyes fans coming here at the Penn State, where you know, no one really likes Ohio State, and you're even closer. I mean, you're right in the neighborhood of Columbus. Drew wasn't. What has that been like for you? Because I imagine you have a lot of childhood friends, perhaps some family members who bleed Buckeyes red. 
How is that kind of changed uh, some of those relationships for you since you put out this commitment? Yeah. So my mom, you know, played basketball at Ohio State. So we're super familiar with them. And, you know, as soon as I made the decision and told them, you know, Penn State's the place for me, they turned into the biggest Penn State fans right away. So um, really just, you know, those connections were huge. And, you know, I'm going to go into State College being, you know, the biggest Penn State fan. So um, not so much of, you know, going away from the Buckeyes, but um, just excited to join the Penn State family. And you'll be back in the hometown pretty uh, eventually in a Nittany Lions uniform, which I'm sure will be a pretty surreal feeling when you get to that point. Uh, early enrollment, is that a plan for you? Are you going to be on campus in January? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And and why was that uh, a motivating factor for you to make sure that you could do that and finish up high school early? Yeah, so really learning the playbook um, before – you know, the, the season starts trying to get the most I can, get a whole spring ball under my belt. Um, and then, you know, really changing my body once we get in there, uh, get in the weight room, get the nutrition plan. Um, so, you know, those were, you know, huge factors. And then, you know, obviously schoolwork kind of getting ahead in college. I finished up most of my um, high school high school classes. So I think going into college with a couple extra credits before my first season is going to be huge. Well, it's, it's going to be here before you know it. We're seven months away from you being a member of this Penn State football program. Uh, you mentioned physical development. I guess I'll finish there. Where are you right now, height and weight-wise, uh, you know, a couple months shy of your senior season? And then ask, what's your aspirations for where you'd like to be when you, you know, hit the practice field as a Penn State player? Yeah, so I'm a little over 6'2 right now, about 6'2 and a quarter, 6'2 and a half, 190. Um, you know, my goal is to be about 195, 200 before before the season starts, maybe even 205 and uh, play around there. And then after after the season, try to, you know, really just shape my body the best I can before getting on campus. And, you know, those guys do a great job with the guys they've had, you know, speed wise, strength wise. So just really trying to improve till then. And, you know, once I get on campus, they're going to do a great job. Ethan Grunkemeyer, a new member of this Penn State class. Uh, we'll see how much it grows here in the month of June, but he's going to be on campus a couple times. Ethan, really appreciate, appreciate the time. We look forward to getting to know you more in the months and years ahead. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We'll shift gears now and bring in a couple of Lions 24-7 colleagues in the form of Daniel Gallen and Mark Brennan. Good to see both of these guys. Uh, fellas, just had Ethan Grunkemeyer on. I know you both had a chance to speak with him at the State College Elite 11 Regional, and, and they've got a quarterback on board. We'll see if they potentially add a second down the road. But before we change pace, so what stood out, uh, just circling back to that Elite 11 experience and your conversation with him, Daniel, about the quarterback that Penn State picked up in the month of May? I think just looking at uh, Ethan Gronkemeyer from the on-field perspective, uh, the one thing that really stood out to me was his release and how he moved around. Uh, on the field. Um, He had a very, very quick release, uh, seemed very confident with where he was going with the ball um, and just, you know, moved very, very fluidly. Uh, You you can see that, like he said, he wants to put on a little bit uh, more weight before he gets here uh, on campus. And, you know, you could, you could see the the room for growth there. Um, But then talking to him after the elite 11, um, I think that he seemed very, he sounded just like he did um, when you were just talking to him, Tyler, about, you know, pretty grounded, pretty down to earth, pretty direct, um, you know, in answering the questions, uh, you know, not necessarily the most uh, long winded uh, talker, but someone who, who got to the point quickly and, uh, you know, kind of has a really good understanding and, and awareness of where he is, what's around him and, and what's ahead of him. Yeah, and Mark, and you you had a, a two plus minute video reel of, of of some of the highlights from Ethan that day. Uh, and again, not thrown against defenses, but a good opportunity to gauge some things out of the quarterback position. Uh, what stood out to you, Mark? And, and you know, we've got a couple, a few young quarterbacks that we're trying to assess on this current Indy Lions roster. It's been Sean Clifford's show for so long, and here we've got another young one that's going to be following them to campus come January. Yeah, just to build on what Daniel said, uh, you know, he, they, one of the cool things was I thought he showed he was able to throw from some different arm slots. Mm-hmm. I, I think Mahomes is like convinced all these quarterbacks to you know be be able to whip it different ways. Well, Ethan uh, throws with Drew, and Drew can do that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that was my point. We saw it in the blue white game, and I, I think these these quarterbacks. I don't know what Ethan's baseball background is, but you can you can tell that they 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 are watching the NFL and seeing what's working. You have to be really careful though, because the guys who could do that really well are at an elite level. But just what Daniel said, I mean, just a quick release. Uh, it's very difficult at those events uh, because they're not necessarily going one on one, so you're not seeing that. But I'm sure the Penn State coaching staff has seen enough film of this kid, you know, in actual games. You know, they don't go and offer unless they have a good feel for it. But the other thing, to, again, to build on what Daniel said, you know, you saw it there. It never ceases to amaze me. I think sometimes we forget these are like 16, 17-year-old kids. And I hate to say kids, but they are. And, and to to talk to a goofball like me or to come on the podcast and handle himself so well, uh, I think that's important. I mean, I think that's a pretty cool thing to see out of these kids. And I think it's really you know, not to not to be too glowing about you, Tyler, but I think when you give these guys a little bit of a platform to come on and talk on a podcast like this, it's pretty cool to see uh, how the vast majority of them carry themselves and, and do so well. And he was just the latest example of that. And if you're James Franklin, if uh, specifically a head coach, uh, but an offensive coordinator as well, because you need uh, you know the guy who's going to conduct things for you on the field. 
that matters. That presence, that ability to communicate and 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 to do it without a bunch of bravado. And they've got a nice run at quarterback and from a personality standpoint. Fortunately, we had Bo, Drew, and Jackson Smolik on this podcast multiple times before they enrolled. So uh, the pressure's on Ethan to get back on before he gets to campus in January, and we'll get a chance to chat with him again. He'll be out at Elite 11 Finals, as we said, in Southern California. We'll have a swarm of 24-7 sports recruiting analysts out there for the event. So stay tuned for that coming in mid-June. We'll have a chance to see him even sooner than that, though, on Sunday, Mark and Daniel, because it's the first prospect camp. Coming here to Happy Valley, uh, we've got a bunch to look forward to, as always. We've got the seven-on-seven tournaments, big man challenges. Uh, the one on Sunday is going to be more positional work. Oh, can you kind of give the, the – you did a great job, Mark, of, of kind of breaking down how these camps are a little different, what they mean to the program, with a piece you put up on the site a few days ago. Can you do that to our for our listeners a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's – I guess I'll just go through what a typical camp is like. I mean, the, the kids register at Beaver Stadium. It could be anywhere from a couple of hundred to I think we've seen camps as big as five or six hundred, uh, five or six hundred people. Um, and this is for got kids going into ninth grade to going into twelfth grade. And sometimes we see a post grad uh, sneak in there, a JUCO guy. Uh, you know that not sneak in, but there's not a whole lot of those uh, who may they may want to get in there to do some testing and whatnot. And, uh, you know, one of the coolest things about these camps, and if I would encourage anybody who has a kid who plays football, whatever their talent level, to go, uh, because uh, James Franklin addresses the parents. As the kids are testing, as they're going through 40-yard dashes and jumps and all the other stuff they do, uh, Franklin addresses the parents. And we've heard the speech quite a few times, and it changes a little bit year to year. Uh, they ask us not to put that out there because it's kind of a personal thing with him and the parents. Uh, but but it's a it's a it's a good speech. I mean, it really is. It's it's something that I think a lot of parents need to hear. And one of the primary messages, and I'm not going to give away the whole thing, is that not everybody's kid is going to be playing at Penn State. If you have 600 kids at a camp, I mean, if one or two of those end up playing at Penn State or a, a, a similar college, uh, it would be more than that. But you know, playing at similar colleges. But it's, it's a very difficult thing to do. But that doesn't mean that football can't be a really important part of their lives. Uh, so the, 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 the guys go through all sorts of testing. And why is that important? They're measured. Uh, because Penn State's able to build up this gigantic database. And you never know what you're going to find. Exhibit uh, A last year, Ethan Black, uh, a relatively local kid from Connemaw Township, uh, was just destroying it in the 40-yard dash. You know, not the most polished football receiver. And we were there. We saw them working with Ethan Black, like, what, four or five camps? And He kept uh, coming back. He yeah, kept, he kept, kept asking back. him to come back. He kept coming back. And you'd see this blur with blonde hair uh, during the 40-yard dash testing. And then they'd be trying to figure out what to do with him in a football the rest of the Yeah, the, rest but of the, the, the point being, so now you fast forward and, and you know, he's committed to Penn State. He's going to be enrolling uh, whenever it is, what, at the, the, the next semester in June I, or mm -hmm. later in June, I guess late June. Uh, and he's a three-time state track champion uh, at the, the recent PIAAA uh, you know, track and field sprints. Uh, so it was just um, it's unbelievable that you never know what you're going to find. I, mean, I remember Jonathan Sutherland years and years ago uh, just blew everybody away with a thing called a triple broad jump, which is basically one jump, two jump, three jumps all in a row. It's kind of like bunny hopping. And he was in eighth, going into ninth grade, I think, or you know, after eighth grade, and and got out past thirty feet, and everybody's like, "Oh my god!" And you know, kid from Canada, and he, you you're able to put yourself on the map. 
not every kid's able to do that, but you have this huge database mm-hmm. of, you know, kids who, even if they may not end up being a scholarship guy, it's amazing how many of these kids we end up seeing coming to Penn State as preferred walk-ons. Uh, so then they get in- transfer portal entries. I mean, that, yeah, you got all this data and for all yeah. these guys, and some of them are going to end up looking for a different college home, even if they don't pick you the first time. And it helps to have some foundational evidence of what they're capable of doing physically. Yeah. So I know I'm going on and on about this, but I just want to give people a feel for it because we're going to be at a lot of these things over the, <laughs> over the next few weeks. Uh, but then they do positional work with the Penn State coaches. There'll be Penn State players who are able to work with them. I think they, the players can actually get paid a little bit now. And coaches from other teams. We've seen Temple here. We've seen smaller schools here. Uh, that that you know, all these people come up and work with all these kids. And then at the end, they do one-on-one work. Uh, and it's it's you know, you can see uh, the guys who really kind of rise to the top. You know, they're got people who you know you're watching this, and it doesn't take an expert to see how, how, who some of the better better players are. And I'll never forget Micah Parsons. Uh, he was so good, and I think it was with Clifford. Maybe it wasn't with Clifford, but at one point, uh, Micah Parsons shows up at camp and is is drilling as a tight end just on a lark, and they matched him up with the best defensive back, and I forget what the kid's name. He, you know, he wasn't an elite elite, but Micah – had no idea what the hell he was doing, and he was burning the guy deep on every single thing. So those are the kind of things you see. And then the other cool part is that Franklin wraps it up. And again, I'm not I'm not going to give it away, but he has a really good speech for these young players. And it just you know it touches on a lot of the things that hey, not everybody's going to be the elite player, but football can take you a long way in life. Use common sense on social media. You know, lessons that I was able to pass along to my daughter, uh, just because a lot of it's just common sense. So. They're really fun to cover. It's it's a lot of work. They're long days, but it's a cool atmosphere to kind of be around. So I know that was a lot, but we're going to be investing a lot of time in these. Again, it sucked when we couldn't cover these things for during COVID. And sure it did. was it was completely understandable. I'm not saying that being critical to anybody. It was completely understandable because they were they were erring on the side of caution. But to be able to go back and do those things again last year uh, was really cool. And I'll save the seven on seven. Uh, recap for for when that uh, comes up in a couple weeks. Yeah, and and we had a blast last summer, and we were just starting to get our new team together at Lions twenty four seven. Daniel had just come on board, Tyler Calvaruso had just come on board, and now uh, I think we have a really good uh, strategy in place for how we're going to attack these. Don't show up for don't shows yeah, up. Yeah, Brian Don rolls in, so flexes we got a lot muscle. cooking. Yeah, a lot cooking on the camp circuit here in the, in the month. And, and 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 by the way, I'm reminded just how the you know it goes all the way from a guy who's in junior college to a guy who's barely in high school at these camps and, and how they can impact the staff's uh, sense for, for what they're going to do on, on, on a, any given recruiting board. Jair Brown came here after one year at the junior college level and, and was you know barely a blip on the radar for anyone at the FBS level. Uh, even for us who, who were following the camp roster, he ends up coming away with an offer. He ends up uh, committing pretty quickly and he ends up becoming an all big 10 safety here. That's one that, 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 that happens so quickly. And then you've got someone like Landon Tengwall, who was kind of the, the the there was a bunch of talk about him after he showed up before his freshman season at the high school level and of course by the time he got to his freshman season Maryland had already offered him down there and lo and behold he ends up becoming the first offensive lineman offered by the Nittany Lions in that cycle he ends up being a, a big time commitment for them so some of these guys we hear about on the camp circuit back when they're 14 15 years old 
some of them maybe get a chance after high school to impress the staff. And it's just the floodgates are open a little bit. It, it, anybody can show up to campus and enroll, put your best foot forward and try to wow the staff. It's not always going to be the guys who have the 24 seven sports profiles already in place when they get here to campus. And uh, Daniel, uh, why, as we talk about the schedule for June, the schedule for September and beyond has been you know, very much uh, coming to light here in the last couple of weeks as we got kickoff times announced. We spent a lot of time uh, last week on the podcast breaking down the Michigan State matchup coming our way on, on Black Friday. And then, of course, the whiteout matchup, uh, West Virginia coming to town to open the season on September 2nd. Now we've got a few more known entities on this schedule. What do you make of it, Daniel? You had the story up uh, as, this, as things broke on Wednesday. Four games, uh, kickoff times, and TV broadcast plans have been revealed. Yeah, I think the place to start is the, you know Penn State has that I don't know how coveted it is for the fans, but that big noon Saturday slot on Fox uh, that over the past couple of years has emerged as something that has a lot of eyeballs on that. Penn State will have that at Illinois on September 16th for their Big Ten opener. And then later in November uh, at home against Michigan, November 11th. Um, that one was previously reported by Action Network. Um, so this will be the second year in a row that Penn State has at least two uh, of those big noon Saturday kicks. Uh, last year it was at Michigan and at home against Ohio State. Um, UMass, uh, homecoming, the Generations of Greatness game, that got the 3.30 p.m. time slot on October 14th, uh, which should make for uh, you know that time of year for homecoming. That should be a good day for, for tailgating. Um, I don't know what that football game is going to be like, but the experience around it should be pretty good. Uh, and then finally, uh, September 9th, Delaware uh, gets a noon kick, uh, and that will be televised on Peacock. Um, so it won't be on uh, you know, your linear TV or, or your cable package. Um, you'll, you'll have to stream that one. And this is kind of the, the new era, uh, I guess, of, of Big Ten football with this new TV deal and kind of um, you know, taking this next step. So, um, you know, the schedule has come together. Um, there was a little tweak with the whiteout against Iowa that got moved from an 8 p.m. Uh, kick to a 7.30 p.m. kick. You know, for those night games, I'll take, you know, any extra time uh, I can get uh, any earlier. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the the schedule has come together. You know, I feel like I'm, I don't remember there being this many kick times and, and network designations being made this early. Um, you know, I think right now you, there's only one, two, three, four, five games, uh, remaining on the schedule that, that need a time and TV network. So, yeah, you can kind of start to piece together your, uh, you know, your, your fall schedule. You can figure out what your best deal is to get Peacock. Um, then you can kind of go, go from there with, with planning out your fall. I was going to say 75% of the stories, uh, comments at least on your story about these schedule changes were about Peacock versus any of the opponents that, that Penn State will be playing. And uh, yeah, that's the new age for college football and new age for the Big Ten. We got games on Peacock this season. We've got uh, another game on CBS, which had been a, a supreme rarity for a long time now, back to back years. And then, of course, multiple games on primetime on NBC. We're still waiting for Ohio State. That's one of those matchups that we don't yet know what the, the kickoff time will be or the network that will be carrying it. We're going 
going to circle back to this subject a little bit later in the mailbag. But Mark, I wanted to make sure we gave a spotlight to the trip that you and your daughter, Grace, who's a photographer here at Lions 24-7, made to Hershey yesterday to the Penn State Health Children's Hospital. This was a fantastic annual tradition for Penn State football. Unfortunately, it was on pause for a few years, resumed in a big way on Wednesday. You got a firsthand look. We have video, photos, coverage, a bunch at lines247.com. But for our listeners, can you take us inside that experience? Yeah, it was the first time I was able to do it. Um, in the past, we've had Harvey Levine, our photographer, who lives down there relatively close, uh, go and handle that. Uh, but he was unavailable this week. Uh, so, so Grace and I decided to go down and it was unbelievable. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's so cliche to talk about perspective, but this really does lend perspective and and to hear the players afterward talk about, um, seeing what these kids are going through and, and really having an understanding of it or to have a guy like Adisa Isaac, who's had three siblings who have had serious medical challenges in their lives and has spent a big, a large portion of his life in hospitals, you know, with his family, uh, it really kind of hits home. And it always, you know, Tyler, you'll appreciate this and Daniel, you'll appreciate it someday, but you know, thank God we have these people who take care of kids, Mm -hmm. you know, it's unbelievable. So as neat as it is to see the kids having fun, it's also pretty cool to see the doctors and nurses, who are the heroes who are taking care of these kids uh, be a part of, of the whole thing and for everybody to be giving them shout outs. But what they're able to do is in, in the hospital, there's a, a cafe area, kind of a sprawling cafeteria kind of area. And for all the kids who are well enough to go down there and play bag toss or Jenga, which was hilarious. Uh, Tyrese Mills, was like the most competitive. He and a little kid were playing Jenga, and it was hilarious. I mean, the kid was competitive. He was competitive. Uh, but also uh, coloring, you know, you see these big hope, mega Barnwell sitting there with a little girl uh, coloring. All those things w- were uh, kind of open for the cameras and the reporters uh, to see. But behind the scenes – for the kids who aren't doing quite so well or having specific struggles that they can't come out of the rooms, a bunch of players went up to the different floors and were able to visit them in person. And that's where, you know, Caden Wallace said, you know, wow, you you really have an appreciation when you see what these little kids are going through. So uh, just an absolute great event. Um, It's uh, great that Penn State's able to get back and do it again. And again, a shout out to these, 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 these kids who are going through so much and a gigantic shout out to the doctors and nurses. I am telling you, these people are heroes. I don't know how they do what they do because they, they have to deal with difficult, heartbreaking situations every day. But thank God we have them. And it's cool to see Penn State football go down and, and uh, support that kind of effort. Amen. Yeah, I I've not been to this specific hospital, but I spent some time camped out. I think you remember, Mark, with my godson at, at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia yep. back in, uh, I think Top. it was 20, 2017. And um, I know James Franklin had to spend some time there you know, early on. And his kid, it's just, it, yeah, it's it's hard to even talk about football after we have this conversation. It, it, it hits home. Um, so let, let's try to pivot here uh, and, and bring up the fact that 24-7 sports uh, dropped a new pr- uh, transfer portal rankings, top 
It's the final edition. It's the first and final edition of these top 24-7. A lot of work uh, done on the 24-7 sports staff to narrow things down here. you got thousands of players now entering the transfer portal uh, on an annual basis. It's uh, some, some recklessly and some makes a lot of sense. But at the end of the day, these are viewed to be the best of the best. And Penn State placed two in the top 24-7. Number 36 overall is Kent State uh, transfer Dante Cephas, who joined the program in May. And then you've got number 243 overall, Malik McLean out of Florida State, who joined the program in January. Both of them working at wide receiver. Cephas will make his debut on the practice field in August. Uh, we McLean had a chance to, to get those reps in during the spring ball. And guys, I mean, it just kind of goes into hammering home the point that Penn State clearly needed to prioritize the wide receiver position. There were 53 of them overall ranked inside the top 24-7. It was a position that there was a lot of talent available out there. Penn State got two that are viewed as, as potential starting caliber uh, by our 24-7 sports group of, of analysts. And, and Daniel, I'm curious what you make of the necessity for the Nittany Lions to get big seasons out of both of these guys. Because I feel like we've spent so much time talking about Dante Cephas Malik McLean didn't come here to play, you know, third fiddle uh, at a position. I think this is a guy that we need to keep tabs on, and he faces a very important summer because those young bucks are also making their move. Definitely. I think Malik McLean is someone who, even though he was on campus in January and got to go through spring practice, kind of operated in Dante Cephas's shadow a little bit because Cephas is so much more of a, a known commodity at the MAC level coming out of Kent State. I mean, we all saw those numbers that that Cephas put up. I, I believe it was two years ago. Uh, it was his big year with the Golden Flashes, and you know, to think about what that can bring to an offense with Drew Aller at quarterback, you know, with what Penn State needs after losing Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington after last year, you know, what they can supplement around Keandre Lambert Smith if he can continue what how he closed last year. You know, I think that Cephas was someone you know where. You know, because he had the track record, there was a lot of excitement around him. You know, Malik McLean you know, was a little bit quieter in his first two years at Florida State. It was still a, a well-regarded recruit. You know, came out of IMG Academy, um, so you know that he was prepared for for what college was going to bring. And you know, I'd say that he had a bit of a, a quiet spring. Um, I think that he was someone where whenever you know you'd watch the wide receivers go through drills and practice. You know, you'd, you'd post some videos and every single time someone would say, oh, who's number 11? You know, six four, you know, around 200 pounds, a little bit over. That's something that isn't really on the roster. It's not really something that Penn State has had at the wide receiver uh, position in a while. You know, he and Malik Mega are, are similarly built. Um, but, you know, Penn State is going to need some production uh, out of Malik McLean. I think that he is someone who can really raise the, the floor of that wide receiver room. And when you bring a transfer in, uh, you know, who's going to be a third year guy, I think the expectation is that he can pick things up pretty quickly and, you know, be more physically ready. Um, yeah, so I think that this summer is going to be really big for Malik McLean to put himself in that position, um, you know, come August where he can compete for one of those, you know, maybe not necessarily a starting job, but, you know, to be in that top six, to be in that two deep, you know, to be someone who can rotate in maybe beyond just being a tap guy. You know, what we saw last year early on in the year, that's pretty much what it was. It was three guys um, and then, you know, tap and, and someone would come in. So I think that Malik McLean has the potential to, to lengthen the depth chart um, at wide receiver a little bit. And that's not just referring to his size. Um, so you know, we'll see what he can do. But you know, I think that he's someone that when 
practice really kicks off in August, there's going to be a lot of eyes on him to see what he can do, you know, how he can develop and if he can really work his way uh, into that rotation to be a, a, you know, a viable target for Drew Aller. 25 games at Florida State in two seasons there, 33 catches, 396 yards, five touchdowns, uh, much more robust of a stat sheet for Dante Cephas at the group of five level with Kent State, listed six foot, 180 pounds in his debut on the Penn State roster. Last uh, last couple seasons with Kent State, Cephas goes 130 catches, uh, 1,984 yards, 12 touchdowns in 23 games. He, he missed a stretch of games last season, uh, two-time All-Mac uh, first team selection and you look at, at his production nine 100 yard performances the last couple of years at Kent State last season against the common opponent with Penn State actually oh, the Ohio Bobcats 13 catches 246 yards different level of football for Dante Cephas but major expectations uh, for a wide receiver room that uh, plenty of unknown factors there and guys who were much more heavily recruited than Dante Cephas by Power 5 programs. So it's going to be interesting how it all matches up when you've got a guy like Cephas toward the back end of his career, didn't get the love coming out of high school, and then you've got this collection of young talent that had a lot of Power 5 offers on the table. They end up at Penn State. Um, ultimately, it's Marcus Hagan's job now to figure out what he's got in this group. Uh, Carmelo Taylor, the last remaining piece, uh, as, as far as we understand, to join from a scholarship perspective. Uh, one of those June enrollees, the speedy freshman coming up from Virginia. Um, you mentioned Ethan Black. I was going to get to him here on the podcast, so we got that crossed off our, our list. Thanks for doing that during the camp segment. It's time for our mailbag then, um, and we've got a couple here on the show. If you missed it over at Lions247.com, for our VIP subscribers, we've got a thread posted. It is acting as our Lions247 podcast mailbag. A lot of questions already thrown in there. We, we hit on one for the recruiting realm uh, with Tyler uh, Calvaruso on our last episode. This time we've got a couple, uh, and we'll begin with a, a roster question here for the 2023 Nittany Lions, and I'm going to throw it to my friends Daniel and Mark now. What is the level of concern regarding the defensive tackle group? Even before Michigan and Ohio State matchups, Illinois and Iowa seem like teams that will attack that potential weakness directly. What do they view – I'm sorry, who do they view as legit two deep guys at that position – and who can really fill that PJ Mustafer role? Mark, we'll start with you here. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. I think we've set. We've we've gone over this before that I don't think they have a apples for apples comparison guy to to PJ Mustafer. I don't think they have that three hundred and thirty pounder. Unless I'm missing somebody, uh, they have some 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 bigger guys, but not quite that size. I think getting Izzard back healthy is going to be really key. Uh, but I think it may be more than a two deep. I think they could be rolling five six guys. Uh, at those positions. I mean, I think we know what Zane Durant and Hakeem Beeman are all about. Uh, maybe not the biggest guys, although uh, seeing both of those guys yesterday, you know, they every time you see them, they're getting a little bit bigger. Uh, so I wouldn't sleep on either of those guys. I don't think we're going to get Hakeem to, to tell us his actual weight at any point, uh, but I think both of those guys are getting bigger. And, uh, you know, uh, Townley, uh, just physically impressive. Uh, you, you see this guy, and I think it was good that they were able to get him back, and I think now that he's focused on playing D-tackle, uh, that will be a positive. And then the other guy, yeah, oh, Caleb Artis. He is he's, – he's a big – and you could tell he just looks like a big, strong guy. So I know I'm throwing a lot of names out there, but I don't know that you're going to have – you know, three, four guys, I think they're going to be in a, in a pretty good position where they're able to roll some guys through. Uh, Alonzo Ford, uh, the transfer, looks good physically. I think he can get a little 
uh, more kind of ripped. Like if when you look at uh, Zane Durant and Hakeem Beeman, like these guys, you can tell they've been in an elite weight program. And I, I don't want to come across being negative about Ford, but looking at him, I, I think these next couple months in the Penn State weight program are going to be helpful for him. I didn't have a chance to talk to him, but I would bet you he would say the same thing. But I think there are enough people there uh, that they're going to be fine. And I left out Jordan Vandenberg. I mean, he's a guy who's played good minutes for them uh, the last couple of years. So I don't know that it's two, four guys. I think it's going to be five, six uh, that they're able to rotate through there. And I think that's kind of a luxury. So I don't think you're going to have that one guy who kind of projects as, you know, potentially first team all Big Ten, with I, which I think PJ would have done had he been completely healthy. Uh, I think it's going to be more kind of a D tackle by committee. That's the question here, uh, and I think people are not just looking physically for a, a, a matchup to you know to fill PJ's shoes. They're looking for someone to fill up his uh, you know snap monster pedigree for Penn State. I mean, he's a guy who barely left the field coming off of that injury last year, led the entire defensive tackle group with more than 460 snaps. Now, you didn't lose really anyone else from that rotation that's going to leave a major chunk in those snaps, but there's 460 snaps to fill all of a sudden, and I think the question is, does someone step up and go 400-plus snaps this year for the first time in their career, or do we see a couple guys go 250-plus over the but course I don't, of this game? I don't think – I think your two best tackles right now – and I left out Devon Elise because he's a guy who could could well start for them, and he's probably the closest thing they have uh, to P.J. I'm sorry because there's so many numbers here, but I don't think you could expect uh, an Akeem Beeman uh, or a Zane Durant to be a 400-snap guy. I think these are super high energy guys that and I don't want to I don't want to pigeonhole them, but you know I, I I they're lighter and I don't think you need 400 snaps. That's what I th I think you can keep guys fresh by rotating it in there. And I shouldn't have left out Devon because I think he's I think whatever mix is is there, Izzard and Devon and Beeman and Durant are going to be the four key guys, and I think you build off of that. The two deep that we had on our unofficial 24-7 sports depth chart coming out of spring ball was Devon Ailey's, Koziah Izzard, Hakeem Beeman, and Zane Durant. Those yeah. were the four we had up top. And the name that I'll go back here, and by the way, uh, Koziah did not participate in spring practice based on everything we saw. He was an observer. He was working his way back from bumps and bruises, as James Franklin refers to them as. So some ground to make up there. We'll, we'll track his progress coming into the summer. But the name that you mentioned it, but I, I want to just kind of double down on it and maybe triple down on it going into the summer, Jordan Vandenberg, uh, the man they call JJ. There is a, a sense, I think, that he has really found his footing at the Power 5 level. Remember, he had such a unique uh, journey to get to this campus. He's a guy who, you know, an international prospect, uh, focused on a different sport, ends up getting an opportunity to play at the JUCO level. It's, you know, during the pandemic situation. So, and it's an abbreviated experience, it's an abbreviated season. He's got a quarterback on his roster uh, who, who Penn State's looking at. They both travel to campus. He blows the staff away with the testing numbers he produces. He gets an offer. And then he's on the, the the team before anybody gets a chance to really interview him in, in 2021. You know, I think by the time we got to the Outback Bowl, when when the defense was decimated, you started to see some flashes of him. And then last year as a rotational piece, 170 plus snaps along the way. And I'm really curious to see what he can do in his third year with the program here. I think as we tend to list these names, he's one of those that I, I maybe we're not putting enough light on. And I say that because 
a lot of these guys were four-star prospects. You know, uh, Devon Elias, Kaziah Izzard. You work your way down this list, Akeem Beeman, Zane Durant. These were known Power 5 prospects going back to about halfway through their high school career. Penn State happened to sign them. Penn State got an absolute gem here. It's a guy who's still figuring out his path in football. They love what he is as a physical and athletic specimen. I think he has really fit the culture well to a T. And so he's the guy that I'm circling, not as someone who's going to go out there and become some kind of all Big Ten uh, dominating snaps. But if we're looking at how do those pieces kind of step up as, as you know, if you don't have a 450 snap guy and you have a couple other guys that, that you're they're sprinkling in those snaps, he's someone that I, I'm, I'm kind of putting in that let's wait and see because uh, there is a lot of good feedback, I think, about where Jordan Vandenberg is with the program here in 2023. And you know, based on what he's done and what the box score has looked like, I think maybe we're looking past it just a little bit. Uh, Daniel, what do you think about this thought? Yeah, definitely. You know, I went through and I, I jotted things down before we came on and I came out with Elise, Beeman, Izzard and Durant as kind of that top four. Um, I think Vandenberg has the opportunity to, to work his way you know, really into that rotation. But I think you have a couple of wild cards uh, with this group and that depends on it really depends on these players' development um, this summer and what they can do. Um, you know, I think that Alonzo Ford comes in with a lot of experience. And what does he look like um, after a summer in the weight program? You know, Davon Townley, what does he look like um, after another, you know, summer working exclusively at defensive tackle? I think the physical strides that he made, um, you know, just in coming back from the portal and moving by the time we got to the blue-white game, you know, he looked like, he could become a defensive tackle. You know, you could start to see, you know, the, you know, the physical outline for that um, for him there. And then, you know, when you talk about an apples to apples replacement for PJ Mustafer, not necessarily from a snap standpoint, but from that size, you know, Caleb Artis, you know, is 315 pounds. He's the biggest guy. I believe he's still the biggest guy that they have at the position on the roster. You know, what is he able to do, uh, you know, going into his redshirt freshman year? You know, I think that, with the top four that we covered um, and then maybe to a lesser extent with Vandenberg, you kind of know what you have. If you're Penn state, you know, if you're Deion Barnes, if you're Manny Diaz, you've seen these guys have put up a lot of tape over the past two years. Um, You know, we've really seen what they've, they've been able to do. You know, so you kind of have an outline of of what you're going to be working with at that, at that depth chart. Uh, But I think a guy like Artis or Ford or Townley, they can really change your equation a little bit depending on the work that they do this summer and how it comes together. So, you know, I think that'll be really interesting. And, you know, to go back to what our, um, you know, the question asker wanted to know about Iowa, Illinois, and Michigan, you know, looming on the schedule, some of the more, you know, kind of ground and pound teams in the Big Ten. You know, I I think that when you talk about, you know, stopping them, I think it kind of, it's a bit of a cop-out answer, but I think it's, for those games specifically, it's going to have to be a total team effort on the defensive side of the ball. You know, the linebackers are going to have to be in the right spot every single time. You know, those defensive tackles on the interior are going to have to be taking up their blockers. They're going to have to be doing the right thing at the right time to to maybe prevent what we saw against Michigan last year. Um, You know, maybe Manny Diaz has, you know, something up his sleeve in terms of, you know, scheme or approach or something like that. But I think that physically, you know, this kind of is what it is right now. You know, they're not going to get a ton bigger between now and and September, you know, no matter what James Franklin says about wanting to get bigger. So, yeah, I think that in putting this together, I think that, you know, you're just really going to have to rely on team defense uh, for those games. But I do think there are a couple guys 
in that defensive tackle room right now who could really, you know, depending on how the summer goes, they can make things look a little bit different come September than what we're thinking about right now in June. Two things just to, to finish off this topic. Alonzo Ford played in 25 games at Old Dominion. He started all 25 of those games. Um, Mark, you made a great point because Arnold Ebikade vibes here a little bit in terms of a guy who was like a two-star prospect coming out of high school, ends up at the FBS level, then comes to Penn State. The difference here is we heard so much about Ebikade making the most of that January to July stretch before they got on the, pre- on the, the field for preseason camp. It is a truncated version of that. He's going to have to hit the ground running here, Alonzo Ford, between now and when they get to the field in August. I think that maybe impacts some of the reasonable expectations you have for for early action. Uh, we'll see. Maybe you could exceed those expectations. But uh, and then the other thing here, I think I think when you look at that that you know those matchups that everyone's kind of afraid about because of what we've seen in the past, Illinois in 2021, Michigan last year. I think the linebacker positions in a much different spot when you look at how you're going to defend against those teams than it was on the road against Michigan last year. If I recall correctly, you had Curtis Jacobs playing at, at you know, playing at the at the will position still. You had, you had Jonathan Sutherland uh, still playing a lot at the Sam. You had the two Mike linebackers working in there who had a month of experience as being primary guys in a defense back in 2021. That linebacker unit wasn't you know, it wasn't even where you're going to see it. Uh, it wasn't close to where you're going to see it in 2023. So I think when you start to talk about, talk about the depth of linebacker, the more accountability there, the star power there. Maybe that can, can can maybe you know button some things up for you in some of those matchups. I think that's you know you can't pin it all to. I know James Franklin put it out there and he he put a lot on the defensive tackle shoulders when he came out of that game in Ann Arbor and said our defensive tackles are too small. What in the world? And I think he spent some significant time since then kind of backtracking on those yeah. comments. Whenever whenever we're asked whenever he's asked about it, he always says we're not going to sacrifice athleticism for the sake of size. So. Uh, not quite sure what to make of it. They just brought in one freshman defensive tackle, Ty Blanding, who's about 270 pounds right now. He was probably 260 pounds when they signed him in December. So he's probably not going to push any further than about 280, 285, based on our conversations and where he's going to be settling at the college football level. One more question to get to in the mailbag. We'll finish with this one. It goes back to the scheduling developments for Penn State here in 2023. Does getting more games this season in a national spotlight add to the pitch this staff can give recruits and actually have meaning, or do they have to win these nationally televised primetime games for it to really matter? Mark, you've covered a lot of Penn State seasons. I know the whole TV structure, streaming structure has changed tremendously over the years, but there are going to be a lot of eyeballs on this Penn State team, bookended by NBC primetime matchups to start the season against West Virginia, to close the season against Michigan State. You've got that whiteout game on CBS in primetime in late September against Iowa. Now you've got two Big Ten noon, uh, Big Ten noon kickoffs, or big noon kickoffs, whatever they call it at Fox, and then we've got the Ohio State game still to figure out. And you know, there's going to be plenty of people watching that. I mean, this is this is prime time season. It feels like I know, but you know, I, I think what's skewing this a little bit is all the different networks involved, <laughs> because if you go back to 2021, ten games were on ABC, Fox, or FS1, and what did that team do? I mean, it started really well and then lost uh, seven of nine or five of whatever the heck it was uh, and just crashed and burned. And then what did it do? It signed arguably its most impactful freshman class since like 1991. So to address that, I think getting on TV is a great thing. But I think what we've learned is that no matter what with Penn State, it's going to get national tv coverage it just does and why because it generates great ratings and now that cbs our company 
and NBC can get a piece of that Penn State pie. They're diving in and trying to trying to scoop up and, and get as much as they possibly can. But with respect to how it's going to impact recruiting, I think we've seen in the past that whether you play well on TV or whether you don't play well on TV, you know, I think like a, a whiteout game where you have a ton of recruits that in particular could, could, could be helpful if you play really well. But even if not, I mean, again, I go back to, to, to 2021 when the season started off great, but by I think every every account was a disappointment at the end. They still follow that up by bringing in not only a highly ranked class, but a class that was even more impactful than most of us, I know I, uh, expected. So I think the difference is, it's a little deceiving that these games are spread across multiple networks now, different ones where we haven't seen much of Penn State recently. And I think that's kind of giving it a little bit of a different look. But they've always, I mean, that was one thing when that I thought Bill O'Brien was super smart about uh, when the sanctions were coming down against Penn State. The one thing he said that they needed to fight for uh, was to be able to keep having games on TV. Take away the bowls, do whatever you want to do, but let Penn State still be on TV. And even in those years, they were still on TV in an inordinate amount of time on major networks for a program going through what it was going through. So Penn State's always had that star appeal. It's just being spread across different networks now. Yeah, there's certain schools out there, there's plenty of them in the Big Ten, that they get you know maybe two moments in the spotlight a season because of who they're playing. Other teams get the spotlight because they're playing Penn State. Michigan State's coming off a losing season. West Virginia's coming off a losing season. People aren't scrambling around to see them on TV this year. They're playing Penn State. That's why they're in these kind of matchups this year. That's why the conference views them as, as valuable to, to put Penn State in the spotlight like this. But I think what maybe you know is a little undersold because you've got the three hours where the game's on but guess what NBC is going to be doing all week no matter what you're watching on TV no matter what time of the day you're watching they're going to be gearing up Labor Day week uh, for that big September 2nd matchup between West Virginia watch the watch the young up-and-coming quarterback and these top 10 Nittany Lions take on the Mountaineers you're going to hear it you're going to see it. it's going to be in your living room regardless of where you are in the country because NBC is on a lot of TVs no matter how much you're paying for streaming services or whatnot, you got NBC probably. Same goes for CBS when they've got, you know, when you've got them on your home turf for the first time this century, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, and so I think that's that's going to be something that pays off. The noon kickoff has clearly generated enough where Fox is going all in on it. And what you've got in, in, in these cases are you've got the pregame setups. I know they're going to have that out in Illinois for the noon kickoff. They're going to have it here in, in Happy Valley for, for one of those noon kickoffs that well as well. So you've got everybody sitting around. Maybe getting their you know grill going, maybe getting some of their drinks going, getting ready for noon kickoff, depending on what channel they're watching. But if they're watching pregame uh, on the network that Penn State's playing on, and you got one on CBS, you got a couple on NBC, they're going to be interviewing Penn State players. They're going to be doing Penn State profiles. And I think in the NIL era, you can't shortchange anything like that where you've got that kind of eyeballs, this kind of viewership on Penn State players, on James Franklin, the face of the franchise here. Um, so, yeah, I think it is something you can tangibly sell to recruits. At the end of the day, uh, they want to see you win these matchups. But I think it's just important that regardless, year in, year out, you're not going to get overlooked at Penn State. It's impossible uh, to be overlooked. There's a lot of schools you can go to, even here in the Big Ten, and be a really impressive player. My, my alma mater Daniel's alma mater. They've had some really good players in the past five years or so. You probably didn't notice them. 
if you show up and you ball out in the Nittany Lions uniform, you're going to get it done. You're going to be a national name. Daniel, we'll give you the final word on this one. I know we're all just excited to have a lot of buzz around each of these matchups because generally speaking, it feels like this is the year of buzz for Penn State football, certainly more so than any I've experienced since 2017 on this beat. Yeah, I didn't want to take an unnecessary shot at Tyler's alma mater, but but he brought the alma mater up. But you look at in the TV uh, in the TV announcements yesterday. I mean, Rutgers is playing Northwestern at noon on the Sunday uh, of Labor Day weekend, and you know that to me that Sunday has always felt kind of like a you know the the most complete dead zone uh, because it's the the middle of the three day weekend. Um, there's just not a lot of juice, you know, to to be a program that you know kind of has to do that. You know, we've seen it with some of the schools that, um, you know, which schools in the Big Ten have been able to really put their foot down about the Friday night games and and which ones have been the ones to really bear the brunt of that. Um, I think that that shows that, that Penn State is in a, a very good spot when it comes to its standing in the conference and, you know, where it can be put on television to gain exposure. But, you know, from the recruiting perspective, you know, I mean, I think any bit of exposure helps, you know. Penn State isn't going to say like, ah, like we're good. Like you don't need to put us on on primetime this week. Like, you know, we, we think we have we have enough, you know, of a, of a platform out there. You know, you're going to take everything that you can get. And, you know, you never know, you know, which, you know, maybe ninth grader, eighth grader, seventh grader, you know, in, you know, California, Texas, you know, happens to be tuning in to a whiteout that night. And that is their first glimpse of, of what Penn State looks like. But, you know, I think Mark laid it out very well as to how that 2021 season went um, and then what that yielded uh, on on the recruiting trail. You know, a lot of that class was, uh, you know, in place before the season started and there was not a ton of movement um, ahead of signing day. Uh, and I think that that speaks to that, you know, recruiting in the end, you know, comes back to the staff, comes back to the relationships, you know, and really comes back to the infrastructure that is really around you know a program winning obviously helps um but there's a whole bunch of of other factors that are there you know that being said doesn't hurt for penn state to be in these primetime games on the recruiting trail and definitely wouldn't hurt to win the games uh, because i think that 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 all builds towards the ultimate thing that can help you recruit even better which is the opportunity to come to a place like penn state to be in the college football playoff, to play for a national championship. So, you know, everything's connected, but I I don't think it's something that, you know, you to really devote, you know, a lot of brain power, a, a lot of really, really thought to. And I thought Mark did a, a really good job of, of laying, laying that out for us. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, our take on Penn State's schedule thus far and a lot more here on this episode. Mark Brennan, Daniel Gallen, you catch their work at Lions247.com. Appreciate you guys coming on the podcast. Thanks. Thanks, Tyler. All right. Good stuff from my colleagues at Lions 24-7. As always, thanks again to Ethan Grunkemeyer, the Penn State quarterback commit, for hopping on this episode of the podcast with us. For now, stepping aside, I'm Tyler Donahue. We've got some camp to cover this weekend, so follow our coverage at Lions247.com. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. (laughs) 
And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.